0: Welcome back to the Essentially You podcast, all about reinventing your health with safer, cheaper, more effective, natural solutions, and powerful lifestyle changes so that you become the CEO of your health. I am your host, Dr. Marisa Snyder. Today, I am finally choosing to share my miscarriage story because no one deserves to experience a pregnancy loss in silence and in shame. I'm sharing my story because we need to be able to talk about hard things and shine light on an experience that happens to more women than we could ever imagine. I'm sharing my story because a first-time pregnancy or even a third or fifth-time pregnancy can bring a lot of pain and sadness instead of joy and excitement. And I'm sharing my story because I was given an incredible gift of having so many brave women friends, family, and colleagues who shared their own personal miscarriage story with me without any shame, and they filled my heart full of hope and surrender. So I hope today that my story will do the same for you, especially if you are struggling to get pregnant or have experienced loss or struggling to conceive. Before I dive in, I wanna share a quick disclaimer that I will be sharing details of my story. I recognize that my story may be triggering, and I want to just give you a heads up ahead of time. Let's dive in. Having children is no doubt one of the biggest blessings in life, but for so many women, becoming pregnant and being pregnant can be a time of great stress and uncertainty. It certainly was and is for me. Even today, at 26 weeks, I'm still... A little bit uncertain, despite all the books and articles that I have read, but I am optimistic and excited for our sweet little December baby. And we just recently announced that we are having a little boy. Now, I will never forget when I found out that I was pregnant for the first time last December. After a year of really priming my body to get my autoimmune disease into remission and working to prepare my 40-year-old body for pregnancy with the right foods and supplements and self-care, my husband and I started to try in October of last year, almost a year ago. In our second month of trying in November, we conceived and in early December, a week into our holiday Maui trip. My period was a day late, so I took a pregnancy test to see if I was pregnant. Now, luckily, I had been prepared and I packed three pregnancy tests, so I did need to run to the store to go and get one. And I remember sneaking around the apartment into my luggage so that my husband didn't see what I was doing, which I get sounds super weird, but I guess I wanted to know for myself first so that I could handle my emotions no matter what the news was when I took that pregnancy test. Next, I peed in a cup, and then I took the pregnancy test and stuck it into it, and luckily, after a couple of minutes, it was positive. So then I do with what every woman does, I grab another one, another pregnancy test, and I put it in the glass, and sure enough, it was positive too. After that, I remember running into the living room with my two pregnancy tests that were positive, and shared the great news with Alex. And we were both so excited because this is what we had planned. It had felt so easy and perfect, and honestly, there was no better place for us to be than on vacation in Hawaii at one of our favorite islands. For the next two weeks, we chilled on the island, and I started to dive into everything pregnancy-related. I also made my first appointment with my OBGYN for the ninth week to get my first ultrasound and my first prenatal visit. Everything felt like it was on track. But then... On January 8th, after the holidays, and right when some of my symptoms were really about to kick in, I started to bleed a little, and I tried to not be concerned. By the 11th, I headed to urgent care because I hadn't seen my OBGYN yet, so I went to urgent care and I did my first ultrasound and blood test to see what was going on and to make sure that the baby was okay. After many long minutes of the technician looking for the heartbeat on the ultrasound, there was no heartbeat. And despite the dismal discovery, the doctor and the technician, no one was willing to rule it a miscarriage yet, but there was just something inside of me that knew. Over the weekend, three days later, I had my HCG levels checked again, and they had dropped significantly and on the 14th, I finally got an appointment with my OBGYN and had a third ultrasound. And when meeting with her, she immediately recommended a DNC, also known as a dilation and curettage, in her office before we were about to take off for another flight to a remote area of Hawaii for a business trip this time. Now, in all honesty, the DNC was something I did not want to do, but my OBGYN informed me that my miscarriage could last several weeks before being completed, and she was concerned that my bleeding would become too much and that I was going to be too far away from a hospital on the big island. So she gave us a couple of minutes, and in about five minutes time, I made the decision to have the DNC procedure to end the ongoing miscarriage. 30 minutes later, we were driving home from the hospital, and I was not pregnant anymore. The next morning, in a crazy blur, we were on a flight, and I cried most of the way. The one comfort that I had, because I feel like we're always kind of grasping for those comforts, was the fact that we had lost the baby so early, and that there were no major issues present. Based on the ultrasound, my baby's growth stopped around six and a half weeks, which was most likely caused by genetic issues. Although my miscarriage was only seven excruciating days long, it felt very raw, very painful, and there was never a day where it wasn't scary. I wasn't able to sleep for most of those seven nights, and I stayed up late researching a ton about miscarriages. And in that discovery, all of those articles that I read, I read that an average of 20% of pregnancies will end in a miscarriage and that only 2% of pregnant women experience two pregnancy losses in a row. Now I know that those numbers can be higher depending on your age and many other factors. And I recognize that at the time I was 40 years old. So my percentage was potentially higher for a miscarriage. Despite my pain and disappointment, knowing the fact that miscarriages can be so common eventually led me to a place of acceptance. The discomfort and the heartbreak was still there, but I felt I had to make peace with it and accept that something greater was on the horizon for me and for our family. Another important part of the story is the role that my husband played and how he coped with the loss of our baby. I believe this is important because miscarriage losses are happening for both parents. Now, I wanna start by sharing that my husband is simply amazing. He was with me every step of the way the moment we found out we were pregnant in December. And he stepped up in such a big way when I started to experience the first signs of bleeding. Luckily, this was pre-COVID, so he was able to attend every urgent care appointment and every ultrasound during those seven days. And at our last appointment, he held my hand and wiped away my tears during my very uncomfortable and very excruciating DNC procedure. Those seven days were a struggle for both of us. And Alex really struggled emotionally in the weeks following my DNC procedure. The miscarriage was a very painful loss for each of us and luckily we were able to navigate it together. Now my miscarriage was filled with many lessons, but the biggest one was the experience of total surrender because I literally controlled nothing. I had to release all expectations for the arrival of the baby. And you should know that before I was trying to get pregnant, I had a few big expectations. So full disclosure, I haven't talked a lot about this on the show. But I have seriously struggled with creating flow in most of my adult life. Before my miscarriage, I wanted to control as much of the outcome as possible. And that way of operating has served me well for many years in my career and personal life. Full confession, I love control, it makes me feel safe when many things feel uncertain. Before getting pregnant, I had a plan and I had a timeline. When I shared my vision and my timeline with friends and family, they would just laugh at me and tell me that babies simply don't work like that. But at the time of trying to get pregnant, I was already working on my upcoming book, And I knew the book would come out in the winter or spring of 2021. See, it takes two years to get a book baby out into the world. So I had this vision that I would get pregnant before the end of the year of 2019. I would have the baby in August or September, like literally last month or right now this month. And then I would have another eight months to prepare for the release of my book which is called The Essential Oils Menopause Solution. Now, this book is coming out, and it's going to be released on April 20th, 2021. And right now, it's being released four months after the baby is due. And that is just the way it is, and we are rolling with it, and we are flowing with it. Now, at the time when we got pregnant in November, December, It felt like it was so perfect because everything was falling into place just the way I had planned it until it wasn't. During and after the miscarriage, everything felt upside down. There was no certainty anymore. I felt absolutely powerless. I felt like I had no control over anything. And there were times where I felt like a failure and that my body had betrayed me. For the next several weeks after my DNC procedure, as I waited for my cycle to come back online, I prayed, I meditated, I spoke to many, many friends about their experiences and their miscarriages. I sought out energy healers and I journaled every single day. And I even set up a little baby altar to call in our next sweet baby. But despite everything I did to support myself emotionally and mentally, my biggest takeaway was complete and total surrender. See, having done everything right to prepare my body with zero signs and symptoms of any underlying problem, this experience had taught me to surrender because I had to. What else was I going to do? There was no controlling any circumstance. Surrender to the chaos of uncertainty, surrender to life because to believe I was ever really in control of my journey is unreal and false. I found so much peace in the transformational act of surrender. Now in February, when we thought COVID hit the U.S., my period came back and we decided to give my body a reset and experience a full menstrual cycle before considering trying again. And I wasn't even sure I was gonna try in March and April. I just wasn't sure. I wanted to take it one month at a time and really just listen to my body and just kinda do what felt right. We also did another anti-inflammatory protocol from the end of January to the end of March where we removed any and all inflammatory foods such as dairy, eggs, sugar, grain, caffeine, alcohol, corn, and gluten. Now, I wanted a really clean slate when we tried again, especially with my hajimotos. I wanted to make sure that I kept my body healthy as possible, just so that my body was ready if it was designed to get pregnant again. And I want to quickly note that I know I listed a ton of foods, and I'm actually off most of those foods all the time because of my autoimmune condition, but a little bit of sugar and caffeine snuck in after the miscarriage. I'm not going to lie. Now, I stepped up my supplement protocol, and I will be sharing everything that I took and that I'm still taking during my pregnancy very soon here on the podcast. The last thing I did, but definitely not the least thing I did, is I started taking a natural oral progesterone in February, and I continued to take that progesterone until week 15 of my pregnancy, this pregnancy. I have consistently had lower than normal progesterone levels since I was 36 years old. My levels were not terrible, but they were not ideal. I wanted to make sure that I had more than enough to maintain my next pregnancy if and when I was to get pregnant again. In March, during my ovulation window, which I started to track back in February, I think it's always important to kind of know what your cycle is. And I've done so many episodes on fertility tracking because it's important that we understand the fifth vital sign, which is our menstrual cycle. So after tracking my period for that whole entire month and into March, during that ovulation window, we decided to just try again. We felt like we were ready. We felt like my body was ready. And on April 11th, we found out that we were pregnant again. Now, it was very unexpected and joyful at the same time. Again, I was very cautiously optimistic. I completely surrendered to the outcome, and I will never forget going to my first OBGYN appointment on May 15th. Yes, all of these dates are in my calendar, so it's easy to recount, And this time, Alex wasn't with me because of the new COVID hospital rules. So I ended up having my first ultrasound, the big first ultrasound, by myself. And I got to see our little baby with a strong heartbeat. And I called my husband right away, right when I found out the news, because he was in the parking lot at the hospital waiting for me to hear what was going on. We knew this was such a big ultrasound. And I couldn't wait to show him the pictures of our little nine-week-old baby. Now, the last six months have not been easy. This pregnancy has brought me to my knees over and over and over again, further showing me another depth of surrender and gratitude. I have not taken any day of this pregnancy for granted, and I wake up every day with massive amounts of gratitude. So if you have struggled with infertility, loss, and or pregnancy struggles, whatever they may be, I want you to know that you are not alone. I see you and honor your journey to motherhood. As promised, One of the reasons why I'm sharing this episode today is that I am dedicating episodes on this podcast to pregnancy, birth, postpartum, along with other topics related to maintaining a healthy menstrual cycle and hormone balance for our bodies to function the way that we want them, especially when it comes to preparing our bodies for pregnancy. For myself, trying to get pregnant with hormone issues like hajimotos and low progesterone was a challenge, but a worthwhile challenge, and I know that millions of women are dealing with similar issues right this moment. I hope to use my experience, not only my miscarriage, but my pregnancy and beyond as an opportunity to shed light on these important areas of women's hormone health. Thank you so much for listening to my story and my vulnerabilities around control and surrender. I hope that by sharing my story, we start to have more conversations around miscarriages without shame and guilt so that no woman ever feels alone or they feel like they have to suffer in silence. On this next episode coming up, I am bringing on an expert to address pelvic floor dysfunction, and bladder leakage. This is another area of women's health that we don't discuss enough about. And so often, due to pregnancy or C-sections, labor and delivery, we end up having pelvic floor dysfunction. I'm talking about hundreds of millions of women worldwide. And I think that this is a topic that is so poignant. I know that so often pelvic floor dysfunction doesn't really kick in until several years after we've had our babies, or even maybe years after that, when those muscles can atrophy or maybe even get too tight. But I think it's important to continue these conversations so that again, we are not left in shame. We are not left alone in these struggles when there's an easy fix for fixing these pelvic floor muscles. So I'm excited to dive into this next episode later on next week with Mary Ellen. And I hope if you've ever had struggles with incontinence, urinary incontinence, painful sex, or just know that your pelvic floor is unstable, I hope that this episode sheds some light on helping you to get better and to be able to address some of those pelvic muscles. Well, until then, I hope that you're having a wonderful weekend. And again, thank you so much for being here and listening to my story. I hope that it helps to guide you in your journey and that it wasn't too triggering. I know that was definitely my concern sharing this is that I didn't want to kind of trigger a trauma that may have happened to you. I wanted to share with compassion and gentleness and surrender. And I hope that that came across that way today. I'll see you soon. Have a wonderful weekend. Bye.